Hello, I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church. We're a church seeking to make disciple-making disciples of Jesus. Thank you to Life FM for continuing to host us. Today, as we look to God's Word, our reading is Acts 8, verses 26 to 40. So you can begin looking that up now. This sermon was recorded live at Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church. After reading the passage, we'll go to the sermon. So let's read Acts 8, 26-40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him, and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptised? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptised him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Well, let's come and let's pray as we continue to think on this part of God's word. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you would indeed be speaking to us and that we would hear, that our hearts would be receptive to hear what you are saying, that your spirit would be at work in us, that these things which are spiritually discerned, would be discerned by us. Uh, Lord, please sustain my voice and please work through these weak words of mine. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, imagine there's a royal wedding. I feel like I've gone to the royals quite a few times over the last few weeks, but they're in my mind. Imagine there's a royal wedding. You're in London walking down the path with others dressed in their fanciest clothes, clothes, heading towards the church. You get in the queue, you're excited, wanting to see the event up close, wanting to see the royals walk past you, nice and close to where you're sitting, uh, walking by you in your seat. You want to enjoy the party afterwards, you want to enjoy the food and the dancing, and finally you arrive to the front of the queue, And the person guarding the way holds out her hand for the invitation. And your heart sinks. You've come all this way. 
You bought new fancy clothes for this. Your hopes were up, but now they're dashed because you have to admit that you were not invited. You're turned away, expected to do the walk of shame past all those people who do have invitations, maybe even noticed and spoken about by the TV commentators. It's a ridiculous thought. Everyone knows that when you go to a royal wedding without an invitation, you're going to be turned away. And while you could go to a normal person's wedding without an invitation, you'll be turned away from the reception afterwards. But that's not true when it comes to God, is it? Because the mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped, not by distance, not by status, not by shame. The invitation has gone out to all people. Even the despised, even the people who were once told to stay away, they are now welcomed. They're welcomed in with open arms. Jesus welcomes the outsider. And we see the perfect example of that in Acts 8, 26-40. And it's because of stories like this that we in Eaglehawk 2023 can rejoice. Though we were far off, He has welcomed us. Though we didn't deserve to receive this invitation, in love, he sought us out. Jesus welcomes the outsider, even us. So let's explore this story, starting in verses 26 to 31. Confusion in the desert. And remember, Philip's had an encouraging mission to the Samaritans. Many of them have believed and they were baptised. Peter and John came and authenticated everything that was happening. And verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go to the south, uh, and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. He's in Samaria, north of Jerusalem. And he's told to go to a road which is southwest of Jerusalem. And that's a decent trip. And notice we're told in verse 26, this is a desert place. Why are we told that? Deserts bring to mind neediness, dryness. But it should also remind us of God's provision. We've read through Exodus, Leviticus, we're in numbers now in our services, and we have seen God protect his people in the desert. He has provided for them, he is with them, he is guiding them, he has saved them, and is bringing them to the promised land. The place of need and God's provision is where the angel directs Philip. Verses 27 and 28, and there was an Ethiopian a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. This isn't who you'd expect to see on this road. He is a long way from home. An important official from Ethiopia, the region now known as Sudan, just south of Egypt, known in the Old Testament as Cush. This was outside the Roman Empire. 
But what's most interesting about this man isn't that he's from Ethiopia. It's that this man is a eunuch. That's how he's identified five times in this story. We're not sure whether this man was an Ethiopian Jew or whether he was a Gentile. We don't know what colour his skin was, but we do know that he was cut off from properly worshipping God at the temple. The command was given in Deuteronomy 23, verse 1, No one whose testicles are crushed or whose male organ is cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord. God made clear in Leviticus that to come near to God, you couldn't have any physical deformities or blemishes. You couldn't even have a defect in your sight, which means that I would be out. Why would God be so picky? We can understand physical requirements in some jobs. Would Beck be accepted if she applied to be one of the crew members of Qantas? She'd need to measure up to all of their requirements, some of which are physical. I imagine even if she declared how tall she was on the application, they would want to check for themselves. Cabin crew needs to be between 163 and 186 centimetres tall. That leaves Beck out of a job. She's just too small, unless she applies for Qantas Link, where the minimum requirement goes down to 158 centimetres. Mind you, I'm also out, I'm too tall. I imagine that this is all so that you can reach the overhead compartments easily enough without needing to stoop down. You also need to have an excellent level of health and fitness, like being able to swim 50 metres, fully clothed, unassisted, and tread water for three minutes. There are good reasons for physical requirements to work in a plane or, or the armed services or emergency services. But why does God demand that no physical deformities or imperfections why does he demand that there be no one with those things if, if people are going to come to his temple? Because that is a plain and an obvious impact of sin. Not that these people are more sinful than others, but the impact of Adam's sin is there for all to see. This eunuch was an outsider. He couldn't worship God like he would like. But for whatever reason, whether he was a Jew or he simply believed in this God, this God of the Bible, he came to Jerusalem to worship. But there'd be a point where he couldn't come any closer to God in the temple. Many in uh, 20, the many 21st century Westerners would be outraged at this exclusion. Wouldn't seem fair to them. But that's how it was. And this man would have left Jerusalem disappointed, wishing that things were different. And this eunuch is on the very road that Philip was directed to. And the Spirit tells Philip to get closer, and he hears this eunuch reading from Isaiah. Back then, people always read out loud. Philip asked him in verse 30, Do you understand what you are reading? And the eunuch said no and invited him into his carriage to help him. 
as this eunuch travelled, there was confusion in the desert. It was dry and lifeless around him. And like there's no water in the desert, there's no understanding of God's word for those who are outside of Jesus' kingdom. Unless that understanding is given to them. The mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped. Jesus has shown his kindness to this man, this eunuch, by sending Philip, who was enjoying a successful mission up in Samaria. He sent Philip to speak to this one person, this outsider of Israel, because Jesus welcomes the outsider. And because Jesus welcomes the outsider, this eunuch, who was confused in the desert, ends up, in verses 32 to 40, our second section, washed and rejoicing. Just take a moment to appreciate the incredible timing of this event. This is as incredible as your car breaking down on the highway and the RACV man being right behind you and actually free to stop and help. And there's... There's there's Philip, there's the Ethiopian eunuch. And what does he happen to be reading at exactly the time as their paths intersect? What is it that he doesn't understand? Verse uh, 32 to 33. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Do those words sound familiar? It's Isaiah 53, probably the the clearest passage in the Old Testament predicting Jesus' death. Just two verses before it says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Wouldn't you love for someone to be reading this chapter and ask you what it means? Because that's exactly what the eunuch asks. Isn't it exciting to know that God controls every moment of our lives, every interaction, He arranges every meeting, every coincidence belongs to him. When we're thankful for our luck, it's not actually luck, but it's the providence of God, his sovereign control over every aspect of creation. Verse 35, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. What do you think he said? Probably that... Isaiah was predicting the saviour who had been promised all through the Old Testament, all through the Bible. He is the seed of the woman who would destroy the work of the serpent promised in Genesis 3. He's the fulfilment of God's promise to Abraham. Through him, all the world would be blessed. He is a sacrificial lamb. He died in the place of sinners, taking the punishment they deserved. The mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped. By his death on the cross, all people everywhere are welcome. Welcome back into God's presence, which was lost when Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden. Back into God's presence, which is exactly, exactly where the eunuch wanted to be. 
And that's the promise that he would read in Isaiah if he'd read just a few more chapters. Isaiah 56 verses 3 to 5 says, Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Just imagine how the eunuch must have felt hearing this news. Who knows how often he has been to Jerusalem longing to offer sacrifices. Just like the beggar wishing that he would be allowed into the royal wedding. He lines up, but the ushers don't let him through. He walks away sad, but gets back to the back of the line and tries again. Maybe this time he'll be allowed in. He gets to the front, but no luck. And he tries again. Will his name ever be added to that list? Not likely. But the eunuch's name is added. More than that, Jesus sought him out. Jesus sent out his servant. He sent out Philip while this beggar was going to the back of the line, inviting him to the party. He kept his promise. Psalm 68 verse 31 says, Nobles shall come from Egypt. Cush shall hasten to stretch out her hands to God. And that's what's happened. The eunuch from Cush, the ultimate outsider, has been welcomed by God. And so Acts 8 36, the eunuch asks to be baptized. He was confused in the desert, and Jesus provided not only Philip to explain the gospel, but water to be baptised in. And so they both go down to the water, verse 38, and Philip baptised the eunuch. He believed the promise, so he received the sign of the promise and of entrance into the people of God. He was welcomed. Verse 39, and when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Now, was Philip taken away supernaturally or or did the spirit simply compel him to, to leave I'm not sure, but ultimately it doesn't really matter, does it? He left, evangelising the towns that he passed through, and the eunuch left rejoicing because Jesus welcomes the outsider. Jesus welcomed him, and so now he is washed, and he is rejoicing. What should we take away from this story of a, a single man, an outsider, being welcomed by Jesus? Well, first, we should never forget that we were far off, far off from God, and he has welcomed us. Being a eunuch was a a visible symptom of being in a sinful and fallen world. But whether we have the physical marks 
of living in a sinful world, or whether we don't, we are all scarred. We are all victims and victimizers. And we're all guilty of deliberately sinning against God and of loving ourselves more than him, rejecting him because we want pleasure, we want comfort and success, we want the respect of others more than we really care about God. Do you ever just stop and say, wow, this eunuch has been kept out of God's presence, now he is welcomed, and so are we. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done which makes us feel dirty and unworthy, no matter what's been done to us that we want to hide. I don't know whether this man was traumatised by becoming a eunuch, but maybe you have experienced trauma. Maybe you're telling yourself that God wouldn't want anything to do with you. Even though the Bible says that we can come into God's presence through Jesus' blood, you're convinced that you're the exception, you're too damaged, you're unlovable, you're unwelcome. That's the lie of the evil one. The evil one wants to keep you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. The mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped. Whatever happens to you, or whatever you have done, that is not more powerful than the cross of Jesus. Your shame can be completely wiped away. You can know that Jesus welcomes the outsider, that he welcomes you. And so even as you struggle with your feelings, you can have joy. All Christians should have joy because you are welcomed by Jesus. This church should be known for its joy because Jesus has saved us. The eunuch went away rejoicing, verse 39. The Samaritans were full of joy, verse 8. It's a sad reality that there are churches or, or people in churches who are not full of joy. When someone's full of joy, that is attractive. People want joy. They want to know that they're loved, that their life has meaning, that they're accepted, that they're not on the outside. That's all the things that Christians have. And so why are there so many people in churches who aren't known for their joy, but for being grumpy, ready to fight, ready to argue, always complaining? Yes, there are reasons to be grumpy, to complain. There there are issues that we should be ready to fight about. But if we know that the mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped, if Jesus welcomes the outsider, including us, how could we not rejoice? How could we not sing with everything we have? How can we not get to church early because we want to share our joy with fellow believers? How can we not stay behind afterwards to continue enjoying that fellowship? How can we not come to a prayer meeting and pour out our thanksgiving? Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. If the Spirit's at work in us, we should have joy. 
Even in the trials of life, you can rejoice. Jesus has welcomed you. You can rejoice in your trials because he is doing something through it. This doesn't mean that we present this fake smile and pretend that everything is going fantastically when it's not. Not every day is a great day for Christians. But in hardship, we can be joyful because Jesus is so good. He died for us. He rose again, promising us an eternity with him, the source of life, of joy, of every blessing. We've been welcomed by Jesus, just like the eunuch was. As we think about that, there's just one extra point that that I feel like I should make. Our society would be horrified at the thought of eunuchs in the ancient world. They would call it barbaric. They would call it inhumane. But the modern church needs to be prepared to once again welcome eunuchs. There are boys and girls, men and women, who are being surgically mutilated today. They are tragically confused. They want to change their body so that they would look like the opposite sex. They are being sterilised and no one is legally allowed to try to convince them otherwise. Already many are regretting these procedures and those numbers will only grow. They will feel awful about themselves and the bodies that they now now have, they'll be full of regret, depression, hopelessness. There will be no joy in their lives. But we can be like Philip, offering joy, which can be found nowhere else and in no one else. Preaching the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of welcome, of forgiveness, of grace and peace and love. We can preach the hope of new, restored bodies in the world to come, of body and mind perfectly matching, both healed. We can bring God's word to the confusion in their desert that they might be washed and rejoicing. The mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped, not by transgender ideology or immoral laws, not by shame, not by sin, not by our social status. Jesus welcomes the outsider. So let's be people of joy, preaching this message with joy. And let's pray. Our God, we are so thankful that we have a joyful message to bring. We are so thankful that we can declare that though all people are sinful and deserving judgment, that there is salvation for everyone who would turn to Jesus. That God has so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We thank you for him. We thank you for his gospel. We thank you for the joy that we can have in it. And we ask our God that you would give us such great joy that we can't help but tell others, that we want to tell others. And Lord, may you draw them to yourself like this eunuch, like us.
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church, and I pray you've been blessed as you've spent this time in God's Word. Next week, we'd love to have you join us in person for our service at 10am. I hope to see you there. And as always, if you'd like to make a comment on what you've heard today, you have a question, or you're looking for a church, then please get in contact with us. Our website is eaglehawkpc.org.au. You can also contact us through Facebook or Instagram. God bless you.